0: around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree.
1: Welcome back to The Shepherd's Pie, a slice of faith for our messy lives. I'm Tony Kolank, a professor at Ave Maria School of Law, father of five grown children, and the author of inspirational fiction for teens and adults. By the way, you can check out my new release, uh, coming out in March 2024 for your middle grade reader. It's called Penny and the Stolen Chalice from Our Sunday Visitor. It's a contemporary mystery. It takes place at a Catholic school and I have a, a sixth grade girl as my protagonist. And she helps solve a mystery about who stole the chalice. And kids get to learn about the Mass and the Eucharist at the same time as they're being entertained and trying to figure out who stole the chalice. So check that out. But today we are actually speaking with someone who's been on the show before, Denise Mercado. And we'll be speaking about the stations of the resurrection of our Lord and how they can help us meet the challenges of our daily lives. My guest today is Denise Mercado, an award-winning author, blogger, and solo traveler. Born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, she was a military spouse who lived in many cities around the world throughout her life. Her first book, They Created Us, tells the story of her family's journey through the disability world with her youngest son, Danny. She's had two other releases, though, including one just a few months ago. Her other release was Mary's Life Journey and Her Amazing Yes, which focused on the Rosary. And her latest release is entitled The Way of Light, the story behind the stations of the resurrection, came out in October of 2023, and we'll be discussing that today. Denise, welcome back to The Shepherd's Pie.
0: Thank you. It's good to be here.
1: All right. So last time you were on the show, we got a chance to spend a lot of time talking about your first book and your uh, life journey with your family and with your son, Danny. And we also mentioned your travel blog. And I know you've been doing a lot of traveling and writing since we spoke. So maybe catch us up a little bit on your life in the last year.
0: I've been busy traveling. I just got back from a 10-day road trip, actually. I was invited to speak at the Magnificat Breakfast in Lexington, Kentucky, and rather than fly in, I decided to drive. So, And I was so glad I did because I found so many cathedrals and beautiful things to see in Kentucky and Tennessee, and went around to Alabama and went to the Shrine of the Blessed Sacrament. It was absolutely wonderful. So I go to all these places and then I blog about it when I get home. So that's on my blog.
1: And you've also been traveling, I know, a lot around the world. What are some of the places you have blogged about in this past year?
0: Well, I've been to Italy. Um, I'm going to Spain in February. I've also been to Norway. That was really exciting to follow St. Olaf and then to see the change from the Catholic to the Protestant in that entire country. So it was very interesting.
1: I actually got to go to Norway this past summer with my uh, wife, and her mom is Norwegian uh, in in heritage. And I was blown away by how Mm -hmm. amazing Norway is. Just really one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. So I know that must have been exciting for you. But I want to hear just a little bit more about your Mary book, just so folks will have a sense of what that's about.
0: The first book on the Blessed Mother received an award from the Catholic Media Association and then also recently just received an award from the Independent Author Network. So that came out of nowhere. I was just real excited to see that. I was inspired to write that book after I read a book titled Champions of the Rosary by Father Donald Calloway. And when I finished that book, I learned so much from his book, but I had some questions about the Blessed Mother. I I wondered where she grew up and how, you know, what was going on in her life that she found it so easy to say yes. And so I started digging and doing some research. But one of the things that I learned from Father Callaway's book was that there's more than one type of rosary. It's like five or six different rosaries. And some of them have five decades, some of them have six or seven decades. They all have mysteries. And so for this book, I wrote about the life of the Blessed Mother and the research that I found, but then I took all those mysteries, put them in chronological order, and wrote about them. One of my favorite saints is St. Ignatius of Loyola, and I love the spiritual exercises and the challenge that he gives us to place ourselves in the mystery, place ourselves with Jesus and Mary in whatever situation is being presented And so I've done that with each of these mysteries throughout the book and then put in my own experiences, which helps the reader then figure out their experiences too.
1: And that sounds like a similar approach that you've taken with your Stations of the Resurrection book. So maybe tell us about that latest release.
0: The way the second book came about was I was cleaning out a desk in my parish and found a one-page sheet titled, the Stations of the Resurrection. I never heard of that before. I certainly know the Stations of the Cross. We see them in every church we go into, but I've never heard of the Stations of the Resurrection. And so I started researching and voila, we had another book. I sent the book to editors and one of the editors said, I would like to see every Catholic have this book. And so that inspired me to send the manuscript to our diocese. And after review, they have issued the Neil Opstat for that book. So we got the approval from the diocese, and I was real excited about that. To be honest with you, I didn't even know what a Neil Opposite was until I got it. And so basically it says that, um, and if everything in the book is approved, there's nothing in the book that's false as far as the Catholic Church is concerned. So they put their stamp of approval on it. I learned about that. And um, so this book actually has 14 chapters, one for each station again, we're following the challenge that St. Ignatius gives us to place ourselves in each of the station. The time period is from the resurrection to Pentecost. I put in some of my own personal stories and my own experiences. At the end of each chapter, there are thought-provoking questions. And then there are three pages, like a, like a little diary section, where you can actually write answer those questions after your prayerful consideration. You, you have like a place to write these down. So, It could be used as a workbook, and one of the reviewers actually said this could be a great study book or for a prayer group or a retreat.
1: What are the stations of the resurrection? Can you kind of just run us through them so we could kind of orient ourselves in Scripture to them?
0: Sure. Like I said, they start with the resurrection, and they go through the day of Pentecost. So there's 14 of them. So the first is Jesus rises from the dead. The second is the disciples discover the empty tomb. The third, Christ appears to Mary Magdalene. The fourth, the road to Emmaus. The fifth, Christ is recognized in the breaking of the bread. Sixth, Christ appears to the disciples. Seven, Christ breathes peace and gives the power to forgive. Eight, Christ strengthens the faith of Thomas. Nine. Christ appears by the lake of Tiberias. 10. Christ forgives Peter and entrusts him to feed his sheep. 11. Christ sends out the disciples into the whole world. 12. Christ ascends into heaven. 13. Mary and the disciples keep vigil for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And 14. 14. Christ sends the Holy Spirit.
1: So it really is pretty much every event that the Gospels relate from the resurrection all the way through Pentecost. Do you know who actually put these together? I know you said you came across them and and we don't see them out there. Is this like officially put out by the church somewhere or a saint?
0: Yes. Actually, I wrote it in the introduction. It was found on the walls of the catacombs. That's where this originated. And there was a religious congregation of the uh, Salesians of Saint John Bosco, who actually discovered them on the catacombs, and and they went ahead and put these in order. And, wow, um, the
1: Salesians! You know, I went yeah. to John Bosco Tech High School, so I am very familiar oh, with there the you go. Salesians. And maybe, again, for those who might not know much about the spiritual exercises of Loyola, I know that you talk about this. What are they and what are the benefits of going into these, let's say, 14 scriptural times and using those kind of exercises?
0: So you're actually placing yourself at the scene. You are asking what's happening around you, like you're placing yourself in the scene. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? What? what is happening? I just find it very intriguing. It's it's just a, a great way to, you're not just reading it, you're in it. And so I think that's real important to do that. And that's just part of the spiritual exercise. And that's not the whole spiritual exercise, just a small part of it. But I really like that part because it, it works on your imagination. So you get to think about, well, what was it like, you know, for for Jesus to say to Peter, feed my sheep. Well, Peter was a fisherman. What was he talking about sheep? You know, So you kind of, you could just almost see Peter sitting there with a frown on his face thinking, what in the world is he talking about? And before he can even go any further, Jesus is asking him again, do you love me? Well, then feed my sheep or tend my sheep. You know, it's just kind of very interesting.
1: As far as sort of applying these kind of stations to us. I know like during Lent, we often will do the stations of the cross and it helps Mm -hmm. us to really focus on the sacrifice and suffering of Christ for our sins. What do you think about these resurrection stations though? Is is there something kind of different in what we can get out of those?
0: Yes, because Easter is not the end of everything. It's the beginning. So um, here comes Easter and then we're like, okay, we're kind of into ordinary times, but it's not really ordinary you know, it's not ordinary. So all these things start happening. They're thinking about the resurrection. They find the empty tomb. And even after the resurrection, what happens? Well, Thomas is doubting. So he appears to them with the fish and gives the power to forgive. He meets him at the lake, providing breakfast for them. So we have all these different things that are happening, which I think are real important. There's never a slow moment in what happens with God. You always continue to move with him.
1: When you were preparing your book and kind of having to really take a deep dive into these, were there any of these that surprised you or that you kind of learned things that you were like, oh, I had never realized that's what you know was going on?
0: Yeah, a lot of them did. Two of my favorite in here are the fourth station and the fifth station. The fourth station is the road to Emmaus. And the fifth one is Christ is recognized in the breaking of the bread. And I really like those. Here we have these two men who are walking. They're very sad. Jesus has just been crucified. That was not what they expected to happen. So they're trying to figure out what's going on. And they're walking away from Jerusalem. They're really walking in the wrong direction. I don't know about you, but I can really relate to that in so many different ways. I find myself a lot of times trying to figure things out and walking very slumped over just in the wrong direction. And even though they were walking in the wrong direction, Jesus meets them and walks with them. And once again, they don't recognize him. And again, I I can certainly relate to that. How many times people have come into my life and Jesus was walking with me. And I thought I was smarter than they were because then he was, he asked the question to them, why are you so sad? And they were like looking at him like, well, do you live under a rock? Don't you know what's happened here? And um, I could see myself answering the same thing and then being absolutely amazed at the response that he gives and almost being torn a little bit. I don't want him to leave, but yet I wish he would be quiet and just go away. You know, I mean, I'm kind of torn. And then when we get to the house, Jesus acts like he's going to move on. And the two men say, no, no, please wait, because they really want to hear the rest of the story. But they're kind of still trying to figure him out. And it isn't until he breaks the bread that they realize who he was. So you've got to wonder, did they remember what he said about uh, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood? Do you remember what he says at the Last Supper? This is my body. As soon as the bread was broken and blessed, Jesus leaves in one form, but he's present in another. You know, we got to think about what did they do at that point? Did they eat the bread or did they leave and take the bread with them? What did they do? I think that they realized it was a very solemn moment and they remembered clearly from what was going on at the Last Supper. They remembered clearly that this is his body and they ate that bread right there knowing that it
1: was Jesus. Yeah, you know, that's, that's a really interesting, I hadn't thought, You see, even just a little bit of reflection that you just did there. You know, this idea that when you're walking in the wrong way of life, Jesus walks with you and meets us where we are. I mean, there's a lot we can get right from that. I know that you've reflected deeply as you were writing the book, and I know you're even giving a retreat where maybe you're going to talk about some of these. Can you share some of the personal reflections that you had, especially from these two stations that you just mentioned in your own personal life that might illustrate for us how by reflecting, we might make some progress in our own faith journey.
0: So yes, I actually thought of my husband, and I lost I lost my husband be seven years this year. But he was military guy He was in for 20 years. And I remember going several times to military functions with him. And, you know, guys come in and out all the time. And, I remember him seeing someone that he thought he knew, but he couldn't make the connection. And, you know, they'd approach each other and then they'd go through this whole litany of, were you here? Were you there? What did you do? And then finally, oh, it clicked and they remembered each other. And that's what I think happened with these guys. I think that that as they were walking along, they kind of knew, we feel like we know this guy who's talking to us, but we can't figure out where we know him from. And again, it wasn't until they got into the details and, and Christ finally breaks the bread that they realize, oh, yes, this is Jesus. So so that was one of the things that really jumped out at me.
1: I mean, how might we apply even something like that or, or some of the other reflections you might have to, to grow or, or to face particular things that might challenge us in our lives?
0: So one of the things I do at the end of each of the chapters is have some thought-provoking questions. And right before the questions, there actually is a prayer that comes out, you know, at the end of each of the stations of the cross, there is a prayer that we pray. Well, there's the same sort of prayer at the end of each of the stations of the resurrection, and it says, we adore you, O Christ, in your resurrection, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. So that is a prayer that's printed here after each of the stations. And then we go into the questions. So for station four, um, one of the questions is, can you recall times in your life when you did not recognize Jesus walking with you or carrying you through tough times? Another question is, do you recognize Jesus, especially in the valley of the shadow of death? Because one of the things that I talked about in chapter four was I saw a real close relationship with Psalm 23 and how that played into this particular station of the road to Emmaus. Jesus is walking with you, yet you don't realize it's Jesus, and he's giving you all of these things. He's taking care of you, and you don't realize that. Another question is, do you accept the anointing of oil provided by the good shepherd? That's, again, another part of Psalm 23. Do you acknowledge your cup overflowing with goodness and mercy? Sometimes we can be just so down and out And so focused on what has happened and trying to figure it out that we don't realize any of the good things that are happening around us. For the fifth station, we have a different series of questions. What does the Eucharist mean to you? Because Christ is breaking the bread. So this gives us a chance to really think about what we do at Mass when we say amen we receive the Eucharist. Do you recognize that you are saying yes to his presence in the bread you are receiving? Because I believe those two men, once that bread was broken, once Christ broke that bread in front of them, they realized that was truly Christ. And that's what we need to realize at every Mass.
1: It never even occurred to me to think about that, this idea of what did they do with the bread? Like, obviously, we have very specific procedures on how to handle the Eucharist today. And here they are, Jesus himself breaking the bread for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see how that might even help us to reflect on our own respect and honor that we paid to the Eucharist. You know, what would we do in our own lives if we were in the place of those men? Yeah. Do you eat mm-hmm. it? Do you carry it? If you were going to carry it, where would you put it? You know,
0: yeah, stick it in your pocket. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, well, and the other thing is it's important too. once he blessed the bread, broke the bread, he left in one form and became present to them in another form. He came present in the bread. And so there you are sitting there with the bread, knowing that it's Christ. You know, you can't just toss that aside.
1: And what do they do, by the way, after he leaves them, they go back to the disciples and tell them that they've seen the Lord. Which would be interesting, then, because they were going in the wrong direction is where you started this.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: and Yeah, after, and they turned
0: back around, right. And now
1: they turn around and they head to where they were supposed to be.
0: You can't With get around the enthusiasm.
1: It, to... Yeah, and their hearts are burning within them. Whereas at the beginning of the story, you know, uh, they were basically just depressed and empty. How much time do you recommend people spend on um, one of these stations to really kind of get a good reflection?
0: I don't know, you know, the questions, there are pages, like I said, for you to write. So the questions really, you need time to really think about those, but we're going.